0: the city has the capacity to address this crisis. The city is actually nowhere near its borrowing limit. And the thing is, something has to be done now and it has to be big. Because the thing is, it's not only terrible, it's actually getting worse.
1: Welcome back to FuridashiPod. I am your host, Lauren Ash, here with the lovely Nicholas.
0: Hey, how's everybody doing?
1: Oh, we're doing great. Thank you. Thank you.
0: To <laughs> Everybody meaning Lauren, I guess. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm the only one that could answer. Um, but I, I just want to quickly come up and say that I am super excited to be introducing this episode to you guys. For those of you who don't know, we are now running a Substack publication, which is a free weekly newsletter that is actually detailing yeah, b- our no, bi- bi-weekly.
0: Bi-weekly. bi-weekly
1: bi-weekly excuse me yeah um that is detailing our creative process and particularly nicholas's creative process yep. in designing his first ever game
0: yeah <laughs> it's, it's oh. um it's been an experience <laughs> yeah.
1: and so, like many of you who have been our longtime listeners i am one of the biggest proponents of not just paper prototyping if you're going to be doing a video game but just in tabletop game design i absolutely love it um, I can see myself being a tabletop game designer. There's something very tactical and very like social about it. Yeah. Um, which we've obviously have been talking about here. And it's kind of been leading all into this episode. So I've gotten the sneak peeks, but now we're finally <laughs> bursting down the walls, tearing back the curtain, seeing this half finished like wizard head in the background. Um, <laughs> and that wizard is Nicholas. So oh God.
0: <laughs> straight in. Uh,
1: everyone will now see what is urban plan.
0: Okay, so do do you want me to just like get into what the game is or do you want me to talk about like the the background first?
1: Okay, so first things, we should talk about what the game actually is, like what you're trying to do, and then we can go into the backstory. All
0: right. So Urban Plan, at least as I've been describing it to people, is a tabletop game. It is mostly tile based, and I'll explain that in a second. But it's fundamentally about the politics of urban planning. And I really wanted to do two things with this game. So, and I've written about this on the Substack. So if you go to, um, I believe it's gamedesigndiscourse.substack.com, you can read what I've written about this so far. So the two aspects are, one, um, to focus on thinking about mechanics in a fundamentally different way, or maybe not a fundamentally different way, but in a way that is not typical. Um, And then also to really sort of think clearly and forcefully about integrating the social aspect of like in-person tabletop gameplay into the game as sort of like fundamental to those mechanics okay so what is the different way in which i'm trying to approach mechanics so i've called this various things at various points but i think on the Substack i eventually settled on what i call meaningful mechanics and the idea is that the mechanic is so for those of you who have listened to furidashi for a long time you probably know that lauren specifically, and I agree with her, have defined mechanics simply as actions that players take in a game. And we did that for reasons that you can go back and listen to. Um, But more than that, what I wanted to do with the mechanics is to sort of construct them in such a way that like, what you do in the game, and how you do it, can then be mapped on to a certain set of real life circumstances and so what are those real life circumstances well it's the the interplay and the negotiation that's involved in local politics uh for those of you who don't know i'm actually very like heavily involved in the local political scene in my area. Um, And one of the things that I've always found really fascinating is sort of like the sort of push and pull, the tug, the kind of like weird negotiating slash like friendship circle that exists within this sphere. And so I wanted to actually create a game that modeled that. And so as a kind of theme, I decided to use the politics of land use or urban planning, which is, you know, something that is very... Um, it comes up all the time in local politics, like what you build where and why is a thing in local politics, much more so than, in, say, national or state politics. So that's the, the mechanical aspect. I wanted sort of then the mechanics, like the things that you do. So, for example, um, in each turn you will have a in your hand because you will have a hand of tiles you will have it three tiles at any given time and you draw more as you play them and so each turn you have to play a tile but the tile is a type of thing that you could do with a plot of land so for example um there are six types there is um there are residential tiles there are industrial tiles commercial tiles Recreational tiles and entertainment tiles, and all of these have like adjacency bonuses. They also have adjacency negatives, so negative bonuses as well.
1: So, so before we go straight into like all of like the finer points of your systems, it sounds yeah. like Urban Plan is a tile placement game yeah. where players take on unique roles of city planning people or people who would live in a city. I yeah. don't know. This is not a marketing pitch. We'll figure it
0: out. Yeah, we will. you
1: um, <laughs> like we'll have to, um, and. How many players can play this game, five, Uh, four? So
0: three to six is what I'm planning on. Three to six
1: players. So Urban Plan is like balanced around a three to six player.
0: Yeah, and and it's balanced in tiers. So if you have three or four players, um, you distribute tiles in one way. And then if you have five or six players, you distribute tiles in a slightly different way.
1: So something we did really excellently on the Substack was kind of talk about the comparable games. If yep. you're a listener out there and you love tabletop games, what are some of the games that they would be able to kind of link to to say, hey, if you like these games, you'd love Urban Plan.
0: So the so the tile laying aspect is a lot like Carcassonne, if you've ever played Carcassonne. And so the way in which like you have you want things to sort of match up with each other is you're sort of like building out the play space in front of you. Um, but in terms of like the city building aspects, it's very similar to um, Machikoro. If, you've, if everybody out there has played Machikoro, um, and then the the role playing aspect of it is not really necessarily derived from anything in particular, although you could probably see some similarities with, say, like um, Mansions of Madness or like the various like Arkham horror games. Um, yeah. So everyone gets a
1: character card, and each yeah. character card has a specific ability. Yeah, exactly. And then they have like specific. You could potentially, right, have like a specific, I guess, um. I was going to say like insanity, but that's like very fantasy flight. But I mean, like it's a a motive or like a role or like a, a thing for the reason why you're playing like a victory condition almost.
0: Yeah, so the social aspect is not just when you go into the game, you're not just playing as yourself. You're playing as a particular like type of person who would be typically involved in the sort of politics of urban planning. So there is one character who is a like a community organizer. There is one character who is a city manager. Uh, another character who's a superintendent another character was a union boss and so forth. And each of these like, have certain affinities. So for example, the union boss has certain affinities with um, service and industrial tiles, because the idea is that sort of as a union boss, he would represent people in those industries. And so then he has a power associated with those tiles. And he also has a sort of a negative power. I'm, I'm kind of up in the air as to what I'm going to call it. Currently, I'm calling it a Blight. But what the Blight is, is a tile that is specific to the role that you have. And you have to play that tile at some point, or you can't win the game. And it has really strong negative adjacency bonuses. So the idea is that it's this thing that you have to place somewhere, and it is going to have a strong negative impact on like the the play state of sort of the the city plan that you're building out as you place tiles, and tiles always have to be placed next to each other. So this idea is that it's sort of the city that you're put your sort of, It's like a map of a city, but in a you know kind of a not really a grid because you can place them wherever. They do all have to be next to each other, and sort of the city expands as play you know continues.
1: So just to wrap up exactly everything in the middle of this episode here. It sounds like Urban Plan is a three to six player city building role playing tabletop game where you take on the roles of city officials to build the best urban city for you, for everyone, (laughs) or for no one. (laughs) Place place tiles, establish social connections with other officials, and this game is best for families ages ten plus.
0: Um, yeah. Um, so that, that's, a, that's a thing that actually I haven't worked out yet. I'm going to have to work out through playtesting. Is that like, so for example, the um, one of the roles is, I euphemistically refer to him as the elder statesman, which for those of you who aren't familiar with the history of the mafia, basically means a mob boss. Um, the elder
1: statesman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, Vincenzo
1: um, Casano. No, sorry. And, and currently,
0: And currently his blight tile is a strip club. And I was like, well maybe I should try to come up with something else. You could put two
1: tiles. One is like strip club for your adults. And like, one is like, you know, your candy parlor for kids.
0: Well, no, it was weird because (laughs) I don't know
1: something (laughs) that kids would be like, I love this. And you're like, Oh God.
0: Because in the process of of designing the game in my head, I originally thought of it as a more mature game, but um, I've been working on it. Strangely enough, with my daughter. Um, my daughter is also interested in games. I mean, she's she's a gamer, if you will, uh, and she is also interested in game design. And we've been working on a lot of these aspects together. She's been doing a lot of the artwork um, that I may or may not use. I mean, I obviously wouldn't use it commercially, but I probably would use it for might use it for play testing. Anyway, the point. Yeah, until is, she
1: gets to a legal age, in which she yeah. would, like say, I now retain the artwork for this. It is blah yeah, blah 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 exactly. blah blah. blah.
0: Yeah, I'm not trying I'm not I'm no trying longer to ex- a child. <laughs> I'm not trying to exploit my 11-year-old daughter. Um, but I, I mean, she was I mean, she wanted to I mean,
1: yeah, she wanted to help out. She saw you like doing yeah. this in like the living room or whatever, right? And she's like, "What is this? I'm a gamer. I want game <laughs> designs." Help.
0: Exactly. But the but, was, but the point I was going to make is that like her art style is a little bit more cartoonish, if you will. Um and I really liked it. So like even though in my head I was originally thinking of it as kind of like, you know, maybe a more mature game, but it doesn't have to be. And that kind of came from working with my with my kid and sort of seeing the the ideas that she came up with. So I don't really know yet, like what the age range is gonna be.
1: Okay, interesting. I was gonna say, whenever you have a game that's three players, traditionally when you've marketed like tabletop games, it's something that it's a mate imme- like immediately I bring to the, like family because yeah. it's like the two parental unit, right? And then the kid. And like, that's how you get three,
2: yeah, right?
1: Versus it's not dank. It's not a dual income, no kids couple because that's a yeah. two, yeah, right? And then three is also, or I mean, I guess the three could also be a polycule out there. So sorry for not <laughs> thinking of you guys first, but alas, you are to a three-person family. Yeah. So I think that like, that's kind of what I was thinking about with families. Um, and also, right, I did actually see her beautiful artwork. Yeah. So... So tangents tangents aside, we had a, yeah. we kind of dot, dived in a little bit into the background of your kind of city politicking. Yeah, what is like some of that inspiration for the game before we kind of go into the let's mechanically deep dive into like the problems that you've been running into.
0: So one of the weird things about local politics, especially. So, I mean, also, like, local politics of a large, like, metropolitan area is very different from, say, like, the local politics of, like, a small town or even a small city. And I live in a pretty small city. And as a result, it means that the people who are sort of actively involved are all kind of in this weird, like, peer group with each other. And the reason why this is sort of an inspiration for how I wanted to design the game is because so one so I, I actually I need to talk a little bit about the role playing aspect. So when I was imagining how the role playing aspect of the game would work, um, I there's no set idea about whether like how cooperative or how antagonistic you're supposed to be. I want the game fundamentally to be designed in a way where it can allow for either or some combination of the two.
1: <laughs> ah, ha, ha. Hence why I was like making yeah. the city for no one, <laughs> ruin the night. <laughs> <laughs> it could be fun
0: right so well no and the the reason for that is because that's in many ways how like sort of the the alliances that you find yourself entering into in local politics also work sometimes you're working with people who are very strong allies sometimes you're working with people that you have an ambivalent relationship with and sometimes you have to be very confrontational it's always a mix of those and so as a result then again this goes back to sort of the meaningful mechanics concept the idea that like what you do in the game then maps onto what you would do in real life and so if in real life you're always engaged in this sort of like push and pull between you know cooperation and antagonism then i want that to be in the game as well and so as a result then a lot of the the individual like gameplay mechanics not necessarily the social mechanics are designed around that so for example um, at any point in the game, you can trade tiles with another player, and you can you can come up with whatever sorts of arrangements you want in, in order for, like, that, you know, trade to work out. In other words, there's no, like, set, like, restrictions on how you trade. Also, like, you can use that as a way to sort of, like, you know, either, like, build alliances. Okay, so, there... Yeah, the, that's, like, of, kind sorry, of great. Yeah. You're already kind of yeah. going
1: into the structure of the game, yeah. so, like... Let's break that down, right? Because you've already said you can place tiles, trade tiles, Nails. kind of negotiate at yeah. any, any point, right? Now you're talking about right, creating okay. alliances or whatever. Like, let's yeah. just kind of break that down yeah. into so a step-by-step turn.
0: So let's think about the order of play. So the way the game begins, you have... So there, the game is broken up into four rounds, essentially. And each round is centered around a school. And so there is a school tile, which is essentially a neutral tile, and the first tile that you start off with is the elementary school, and you just place that on the table, or wherever you're playing. In the grass, wherever. Whatever your play surface is, that, that's what you start with. Then each player is dealt three tiles from you know the deck of tiles, and I haven't determined who goes first yet, but whoever goes first and essentially the first person to play plays one of the tiles in their hand immediately adjacent to that elementary school. It's the only place you can play it. So there'll be four sides. You can play it on any of the four sides. Then the next person to go can either place it next to that elementary school tile, or they can place it next to the tile that was just played. And so this is how it keeps going through one round until for... Th- Three to four players each person has placed three tiles and for five to six players until each person's placed two tiles that's the the fundamental difference between the three to four and the five and six and then at that point and then each time you put down a tile you also will have a set of markers that you have to mark that like i was the one that placed that so it's just a little token that you put on top of it and the reason for that is once everybody has placed three tiles if it's three to four players or two tiles if it's five to six then that round ends and you score and so you'll score four times once at the end of each round so then what happens uh so then based on the tiles that you placed and whatever adjacency bonuses that result from like the tiles that either you or other players have placed then you score each of your tiles and then you just keep track so you score at the end of each round keep track and then at the very end obviously whoever has the highest point total wins now it's also worth noting that because there are negative adjacency bonuses it is actually possible to get negative points so you have to be this is one of the means by which you can kind of screw people over by like let's say you know somebody places a i don't know like an entertainment tile they place i don't know uh a bar or a a movie theater. Let's say they place a movie theater. Um, Its base point value is, I believe, the movie theater is three points. That's also worth noting that within each type, there are one, two, three, and four point tiles. Um, I'll get to the weirdness of the four point tiles in a second. Anyway, so like someone places a movie theater. It has a base of three points. And let's say, as a result of its adjacencies, it gets an additional two. So it's now at five. But let's say somebody placed next to that movie theater, the um, the police station blight, which is the city manager's blight card, which is a negative two. So now five minus two. So now it's back to actually only being worth three. That's and a lot you, of math. It is, it, is, it is a bit of math. <laughs> it's, but, it's, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But that's it's why. I, it's a fine number of math.
0: Hey, I I mean, to me, it's not really any worse than say, like the point scoring for actually Carcassonne itself, which I find to be kind of yeah.
1: Carcassonne scoring is a lot, is a lot worse. Uh, yeah. Everyone out there. So just so that you're clear, like <laughs> this tabletop game is pretty low on the amount of math. I just thought it was funny that
0: there's you, like an yeah. example.
1: We we're like, yeah. So then this and this minus this plus this, and then there's like there could be other titles. Blah blah. blah.
0: But I mean, I, to me, the math was important because it's one, of the, it's one of the ways in which you need to sort of think very carefully about how you're placing your tiles and also how you're affecting other people's scores as a result. Because the thing is, every single type of tile has both a positive adjacency bonus and a negative adjacency bonus. So like you may be placing something that is giving you a positive adjacency bonus, but it might be giving somebody else a negative adjacency bonus. And that person will probably remember that fact or notice that fact and be upset with you and possibly do something to screw you over in a subsequent round.
1: So for all of our engineers out there who are now going, but wait, Nicholas, you know the amount of calculations possible based on a tile with a number of sides. How many sides do your tiles have for the math that I'll have to keep track of in my head? Four four sides so there's only four possible things out there for everyone it's not the hex system it's not six it's not an octagon
0: no Uh, i didn't i don't i didn't (laughs) want to do hexes i don't i i don't know i just didn't want to do hexes
1: big hex fan either so don't worry i mean it would have been very interesting to do pentagrams that would have been a very strange that could be our witch edition
0: (laughs) except except i don't think pentagrams tessellate like no, ho- he- hexagons and squares tex- That's he-
1: why it's like the chaos tessellate. edition. There is, no- <laughs> there is no desolation.
0: I mean, I think they tessellate as a sphere.
1: No, exactly. I mean, so, so yeah. If you had,
0: yeah, If you had a three-dimensional space, you could have you could have pentagons.
1: Wow. <laughs> Urban
2: plan. Pretty globe.
1: Alright, so before we have like 50 different spinoffs here, yeah. please continue into the kind of the depth of that and the tile and token placement. Because when you talked about tokens, is that the way to actually show the kind of plus or minus right now to kind of show the adjacency no, the, bonuses or those are written on the tiles? The, the, the token
0: is just sort of way to remember who placed what tile. And so it's like, it's essentially a claim.
1: Oh, so or, it's like placing your player token or like your meeple. Yeah. Could be like, It's mine.
0: And so then at the end of that first round, um, all of the tiles that have already been placed are essentially dead in terms of scoring, for scoring purposes, but they are not dead for adjacency purposes. In other words, so then in the next, so then what happens, and this is what I think is actually really interesting, is that even, so the first school that is placed on, you just place on the table. But for the next three, so for the middle school, the high school, and the college, you all actually have to reach a consensus with each other about where you're going to place it, and so you actually have to negotiate with your fellow players where to put the the next school tile. And the reason why this is important is because the the elementary school tile is neutral, but the high school, uh, sorry, middle school, high school, and college tiles all have adjacency bonuses of their own, and so. You're going to want to place it in particular places and you're going to want to not want to place it in particular places so um you do have to reach a consensus well okay I mean no, basically you, it's you, a, might, it's, it, you yeah. don't
1: have to quite reach a consensus, but I'm actually very curious about have you determined who places that tile like who has the ultimate decision for it
0: see that's the thing is that it i i want this is a, something that I'm going to have to work out in playtesting, but for the time being, the way I have it structured is that it has to be at least a majority vote of the players. In other words, oh my from- god,
1: you're like putting democracy into your game. I don't know who. What other game out there has democracy? I mean, you can vote to kick people. Yeah. In a party. <laughs>
0: Okay, so then you, know, you place the next uh, school that's tile, right. and, then, fine, and, then, and then the order of play continues in much the same way. Like you, The next person then has to place. But what's different from previously is that the next person to play at the beginning of the second round doesn't actually have to place it next to that school tile. They can still place it wherever. And so the thing is, all of the adjacency bonuses from the previous round's tiles will still be in play. You just don't score them again.
1: Yeah, that make, no, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah,
0: and so, and so then it, it proceeds in the same way. You proceed until, um, for three to four players, until everyone has placed another three tiles, and then for five to six players, another two tiles. And then you do that, and then again for the uh, high school, and then again for the college, and then at the end of the college round, that is your final total, and whoever has the highest total at that point wins.
1: So for something of our listeners out there that are going like, this is a lot of information and it's like very interesting, something that like you need to be aware of is like, this is also somewhat my first time being able to talk to Nicholas a little bit more in depth about it. Like we do talk on, uh, I was going to say on Slack. But no. <laughs> no. Uh, we do talk on Discord and we do talk like regularly. But yeah. it's always fascinating to kind of get that right one-on-one time for like, well, how do you do this? Or how do you do that? And I say that because here's like some live game dev feedback right now is that a lot of games start as four players. Um, because whenever you have a four-round game, it's very easy to balance the first player places the first tile. Yeah. The second player is going to place the second tile, right? Yeah, that exactly. would be my first feedback for you. However, you don't have a default unit of four players. No. Right? You have yourself twice, like, or, right, your your partner twice or your daughter twice, right? Yeah. Like, it would have to be someone ends up placing the first and the last tile, yeah. which is another way to balance it. Um, but immediately that's my first feedback because there, there is no such thing as democracy in games. Um, which I guess now is a, that's my political statement for this week's episode. Thank you all for listening to uh, Furudashi. (laughs) And now with that, there is no democracy in games. We will all (laughs) leave. Uh, No, there's also no parliamentary procedures either. Like anytime you design by a collective or you try to make a choice by a collective, it is not going to go well. Like someone needs to be an arbiter, right. Of, of balance, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's not so much balance in like, Oh, is this games designed well or is this game play well like economy wise right it literally just means like politically if you have no like design director you have no direction for design like it's in the title so at least in gameplay it can kind of come out as something that's like well i'm just going to place this tile because now i'm tired of all of you talking about it and then someone just places it and then what the players think is mechanically you've said You have once the tile is placed, play begins. And even though someone like you're a human and you're the designer are going, no, just pick the tile back up and like make the vote, like just redo the mechanic like I read in the rules. Socially, when everyone right feels that way, they'll just let bygones be bygones, right? And just go with that mode of play. Um, But that came from right and negative interaction. So one of the biggest ways to mitigate that in your social design is just to like you need to take the guilt right or the ability to actually manipulate others kind of out of that yeah um so that they can manipulate others in different ways um like through play and that's a big so, thing with citadels yeah. right? citadels is a great yeah. example of this because citadels is all about and this is different than coup or a bluffing game right yeah. which is i mean it's about bluffing you're not really like lying or manipulating anyone you're just bluffing yeah. um It's different where in Citadels, right? You actually do have, and like the roles change and the roles change so that one person can't be like targeted, you see? Otherwise in original playtests, this is all like slap, I was gonna say slapstick, but you know what I mean? It's all (laughs) like speculation, there we go. If the roles never change, and someone's always the king or someone's always, right, the certain role, you can start then going pigeonholing and being like, you always want this you but that's not the role of citadels versus it is the role, right. In urban planning. Yeah. It's like, man, you city official, you always want to, you know, make this hard on us working folk <laughs> right? like or something. And you can actually banter into that. And then the next round or the next game that you guys play, then you just swap. And then you can be like, Oh man, it is really hard to be like, it's easy to be an asshole city official. I didn't realize how terrible I was last round. <laughs> right. Well, like,
0: well, well, that's the thing. Is interesting. That, um, for me, and, okay, so I do want to address something that you said, but as far as the, the the roles are concerned, like the roles I want to be loose enough that like if you want to be that sort of like authoritarian asshole, you can be. However, you can also in the very same role be much more like egalitarian and cooperative and work with other players. Because one of the, there there is a, something that I forgot to explain about the tiles is that the, the highest point value tile The the, the, sort of the four-point tile, cannot actually be played by the role type that they are most beneficial to. In other words, if you as like, so like, let's say the city manager wants a service, like a four-point service tile to be played and it's in their hand, then they actually can't do that. They have to work with someone else to get that tile played.
1: So when you say that they cannot play that tile that is the role most beneficial to them, are you saying that if they draw that tile from the deck, they have to give it to someone else or that it is completely random?
0: Well, it would be dead in their hand if they held on to it. In other words, they can benefit from the point value of that particular tile but they can't actually personally be the one to put it on the board
1: all right so that, so that has built into your system is saying like there's a thing on the tile that says if you are the city official you yeah. cannot play this tile yeah you it's must lit- trade it to another player
0: yeah so if you look at the like the the handwritten prototype that i've made it literally says like you know cannot be played by you know this person or this person depending on right who,
1: okay yeah. that's great that actually really dives really well into what i wanted to end this episode on for everybody is the meaningful part of the mechanics that you've talked about. Because I think yep. that players, when I think of like a game or we look at the game development process and you start talking about it and you already go a little bit more designy and less like academic, <laughs> Love. Um, it's just really cool to see. Yay. Yeah. Um, but like, talk about when you talk about that decision as an yeah. example of meaningful mechanic. Why was it so important to make sure that the person that could benefit the most from it couldn't play them the than it it's themselves.
0: Um precisely because that's actually the way it works in reality. So like okay, so imagine a hypothetical developer wants to build, you know, a I don't know, a 15-story sky rise, you know, in the middle of a residential neighborhood. Um, they can't just do it. They can't just like start, you know, one day start building that high rise in the middle of that neighborhood because there are zoning codes, there are, you know, city or there are municipal ordinances. Uh, Not only that, but also when it comes to developments of that type, they generally have to be approved by what is called a planning and zoning commission. And so the thing is that developer literally has to go to someone else to give them formal approval. And then even if you go to, like, say for the city that I live in, Even if it's approved by the Planning and Zoning Commission, it still has to actually be then approved by the city council. And so the thing is, in order for that developer to get what they want, this like really lucrative, you know, high rise development, they actually have to have someone else's permission, they have to get someone else to essentially allow them to do it. And so for me, then that's what that sort of four point card is meant to represent. That idea that like that thing that is most beneficial to you, like, you know, in the way that, you know, the high rise development is to for the, you know, the property developer. You then as the player have to go to somebody else in your game and you actually have to convince them or you have to make some kind of trade with them. And actually the trade part is a really important aspect of this, because one of the things that developers often do in order to get their projects approved is they often enter into some contractual agreement with the city to provide some additional benefit to that city. So in other words, it's not just a simple question of like, hey, I'm a developer, um, I have this project, approve it. It's more like, hey, I'm a developer, I have this project, and then as part of this project, I'm going to be adding, say, like additional green space or like part of the the development. Well, so for a recent development here in Iowa City actually handed over a large chunk of the land that they were going to develop to a city park. And so the idea is then sort of like it's, it's giving something over to the city for its benefit, so that then you can also get this thing that is of, you know, really significant benefit to the developer as well. So that's what that mechanic is meant to model. It's not a perfect like one-to-one match, but I do feel like they have an an analogous relationship to each other.
1: And with that, I'm going to have to end on a Patreon shameless self-insert here, (laughs) in that we are going to actually redefine and understand what meaningful mechanics means in our Patreon episodes with even more of the mechanics that Nicholas has chosen for this game. I also want to end on the fact that I have had no help in designing this game whatsoever. So while some of you are (laughs) laughing like Nicholas now and going, Lauren, how dare you not help your podcast co-host? I, on the other hand, being a AAA developer, would like to say this for the legal benefit of counsel that may be listening to this (laughs) part of my AAA concept to know that I have no help in this whatsoever other than to shamelessly self-promote it um i really wanted to also say thank you nicholas for doing this i guess in your spare time because it's been really fascinating me to relive my own experience in designing tabletop games yeah um i i definitely never did this anything complex and that just kind of shows that for the first game you've really played a lot of games if that makes sense to be able to kind of start there Um, And you've obviously really thought about games these past couple of years. We've been doing this, if not, right, your tens of years before.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, But that I'm super excited to play it when it comes out. And that when we think of meaningful mechanics for anyone who has not subscribed to our Patreon yet, please subscribe. Uh, Please also get into our $15 tier where you will have access to us one-on-one pretty much 24-7-ish Uh, on discord and become part of the Furadashi game design discord community on there where when we look at meaning and we look at modeling it really is about writing or designing what you know and more importantly looking at the human ways we do things in the systems of our daily lives and then modeling them somehow if even imperfectly into the game design world so thank you again nicholas and thank you everyone else for listening we'll see you next time